Communications Manager for Sklo Center Region Library. We are located in the heart of downtown State College on the corner of Beaver Avenue and Allen Street. And this episode is dropping on Wednesday, April 3rd, 2019. Uh, we have a busy month in April coming up at Sklo, and I'll be mentioning some of the events that are upcoming in, the, in, the, in early April toward the end of this episode. One of the big things happening at Sklo in a at libraries across the country. It's National Library Week coming up April 7th through the 13th, and that's what this episode is about. Uh, I welcome Denise Stika. She is she has served libraries across this state, all corners. She is currently the executive director of the Center County Library and Historical Museum in Belfont and its various branches, Center Hall and Phillipsburg. Uh, she. This is actually about the one-year anniversary since she took that position. She's also currently the president of the Pennsylvania Library Associ- Association, and she sits on the board of the Pennsylvania Citizens for Better Libraries. So she has had an extensive career in libraries. She was in Berks County before coming to uh, Center County, and, and like I said, she's been across this state uh, with libraries, and, and especially now as president of the Pennsylvania Libraries Association, she has gotten to know libraries across the state very well. And this year's theme for National Library Week is Libraries Equal Strong Communities. And that's you know what libraries, I know SCLO strives to do this, Center County strives to do this, all libraries strive to serve their communities. Uh, and this is a week that the American Library Association has to celebrate the valuable role of of libraries, librarians, and library workers play in transforming lives and strengthening their communities, strengthening our communities across uh, the state, this country. And like I said, we strive to do that at SCLO, and and I know Center County, the Center County Library Association does that as well. So I hope you enjoy my conversation with Denise Stika as we talk about how libraries strengthen communities, the local communities, the communities in this state, and the communities across this country. So we're pleased to be joined but with uh, Denise Sestika, who is the executive director of Center County Libraries, and as well as the president of the Pennsylvania Library Association. And uh, Denise, almost coming up on a year now as a head of the Center County Libraries, and I guess how, how have you found um, Center County and, and, and being in charge of the, of the libraries? Well, David, I, Dave or David? David. David's David? Fine, yes. I, I absolutely love being yeah. here. It was such a good fit for me. Um, my background has always been in community-based um, libraries, more rural and suburban than urban, and I'm just having so much fun driving around Center County. 
we have locations in Belfont, in Center Hall, in Phillipsburg, and we have a bookmobile that travels even further um, to the outlying areas of the county. And while I haven't actually found the time to go on the bookmobile yet to, to see where all we go, I have spent a good bit of time in both Center Hall and in Phillipsburg and, and getting to know the the, um, the demographics of, of the towns mm -hmm. and the small little communities that make up our service area. It's just been a lot of fun. Well, that's great. Um, now, you have vast experience. You uh, started in Pittsburgh, were born in Pittsburgh, and then we're in Berks County on the eastern part of the state. Now you're right exactly. smack in the center. Yeah, so I, I like to, to joke that I have West Coast, East Coast friends, and there, now yeah. I have center friends. Um, <laughs> Even though it, I mean, working in Pennsylvania, it's Pennsylvania's. I've, I've been born and raised in the Pittsburgh mm -hmm. area, so I've lived in the state my entire life, and um, I think it's really interesting to to experience what people are like on various parts of the state. And while we tend to think that there are lots of differences between urban and rural and suburban and east and west and central really there's a lot of common ground for all of us and I think Pennsylvania is just a beautiful state um, we have a lot of diversity in our geography um, in, in my library experience I, um, I've had a lot of variety in mm -hmm. that as well I um, started out at the um, for many many years as the director of the Murraysville Community Library and then left that to take some other opportunities at the Carnegie Library of Pittsburgh, so I worked there for probably a good five or so years. At the time when they were moving from their huge card catalogs on the second floor into computer-based catalog, I mean, we were the first department there to offer um, computerized cataloging to the patrons when we did a renovation. So. Um, I'm remembering like this huge room that was in the basement of the Carnegie that had our mainframe computer with the big rolls of tape spinning around and now everybody has everything like in the palm of their hand on their phone. So there's been a lot of changes in my career but um, now I'm more focused in administration and one of the attractions in coming to Center County for me was to get a little bit more hands-on and back to my roots as being involved in a community as the actual director of a library rather than just the bureaucrat, more or less, um, focusing on budget and focusing on policies. Um, it's really nice to be able to get back into talking with patrons. Oh, that's great. What, um, as you said, the, role, the libraries have changed, obviously, dramatically in some yeah. cases. Um, as, in your role now as a director, I mean, what have been some of the challenges that you've seen that have changed over the years for you? A lot of the challenge that we see, and there's a lot of discussion about this online and in conversations, is our libraries really still relevant? Mm -hmm. Do people really still need libraries? Because so much of it is like on the palm of your hand. The whole way we, we handle reference questions now is completely different than the way it does. And now even having access to digital resources and ebooks and downloadable audio, I mean, do people really need to still come into the library? So we struggle with that thought mm. a lot. And my response when people actually challenge me or, or bring that up is that libraries have been around for millennia. Um, and they completely serve different purposes regarding the community needs of where they are situated. So I can't see libraries as a whole completely being eliminated. I think they will 
change. Um, we see now a lot more um, technology has certainly become a huge facet of what we do now that wasn't ever um, part of our service when I was starting out and, and having my origins. But nowadays, even with so much technology available in the palm of your hand, people are still finding out that they need to have access to printers. They need to have access to either a laptop or some other kind of workstation that gives you a word processing. Um, when people are looking for jobs and applying for jobs online, it's difficult to do that on the platform that your phone has. Um, so, and many people now have kind of bypassed having a computer at their house because it's in their phone. Mm. So I think there is a place for community-based libraries to really provide value to their community is having a place where people can come and access technology mm. beyond what's available in a, a phone or a, a data plan that you might have. So that, that's a, a change that I think will only grow. I mean, here in Center County, we have lots of issues with um, broadband connections and um, in some of the far reaches, you know, people can't stream video. They just can't. It takes too long. Um, they, like, keep scrolling and then drops off. And the same thing with, um, you know, downloadable music or streaming TV or movies. So, you know, I think libraries can work with um, public policy people to make sure that policies and funding get in place to support broadband initiatives in these rural areas, so I think that's another place where we can kind of step in. But I also think that libraries serve a wonderful role as just a community hub, with people being so disconnected or so connected, I guess, virtually having face-to-face -face interactions with people, um, unless you're involved in a school or in a church or some other kind of organization, it's really difficult to make those kind of community connections. And libraries have always offered a variety of programs to appeal to all sorts of interests, and those are still going on. In fact, that's getting even stronger mm -hmm. and more important of service that we provide. Have you noticed that in your um, in Belfont and, and the other branch, uh, branch libraries, a lot of the... Um, has that been a thing that you've noticed? Uh, any stories about community, you know, people coming together and, and for, you yes. know, either if it's um, for a specific event or just a gathering? Yes, yeah. in fact, a lot of our spaces are being used by community groups who just need a place to meet. Mm. Um, and they're not really library sponsored programs. We just make the space available to community groups. Um, out in Center Hall, that library has been around since the mid 90s and it was um, designed without any kind of community meeting room space. Mm -hmm. And they've really, you know, they, they were doing so much programming that, that has to happen right in the floor space of the library. So you have a program going on as well as people trying to conduct research or navigate online resources or browse for books. And it was getting to be very congested, actually. And so they've started to kind of pull back a little bit on programming, which they didn't want to do. But there is a um, there are plans to expand the library to include meeting room space. Um, the Center Hall Library Association has been working hard with an architect to design plans. They've been working to um, find some funding to get this project off the ground. But the Center Hall area is one of the areas in the county that's really seeing growth. Mm -hmm. And they don't have a lot of 
community type spaces because it's private residences, they're farms, there's not a lot of business or other type of nonprofit organizations that have building space there. So we really see that this is going to be such a benefit to the community if we're able to to pull this expansion project off because not only will it benefit the library by giving them programming space to do these kinds of programs separate from the main library activity, but it will also be available to the community. Um, I guess sort of the backtrack. I mean, what, um, what, how did you become interested in a career in, in libraries? Oh. <laughs> well, all right, here we go with two confessions, okay? I have worked in a library every year of my life since I was in fifth grade. Oh, wow. So, there is that. Um, my mother was the school secretary of my elementary school, mm. and so I had to go in to work with her. Um, early. So one of the things that I was allowed to do as an elementary school student was go to the library until school started. And so, of course, the library, the school librarian put me to use and I would shelf books or I would like men magazines or and so it just kind of went from there. There might have been some time when I was in college where I flirted with something else. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought maybe I might be a music major. I thought maybe I might go into social work, but no. (laughs) No. So, I mean, I have worked in just about every kind of library and every kind of situation, and it has just been such an amazing career. Mm -hmm. It really has. So I guess there's no better person who should be president of the Pennsylvania <laughs> Libraries Association. Probably not. And actually, this is this is a bucket list kind of thing for me. Oh, wow. Um, because having been associated with Pennsylvania Libraries for my entire mm. life, the opportunity to lead the organization, the association, as its president was mm. just such an honor for yeah. me. Um, we have an association of maybe about, oh, I'm going to say maybe... Our, our executive director of the association will probably correct me about this, but I'm going to guess we probably have over a thousand members. Mm-hmm. It's probably I don't know the exact number, and they represent libraries of all types: school libraries, academic libraries, public libraries, um, consortiums. Mm-hmm. Um, we have library trustees. We just have library advocates. Um, so it's an association that really reflects the diversity of, of Pennsylvania libraries. Mm-hmm. And part of what the association does is work hard on behalf of our members to lobby for and advocate for, that's probably a better word, advocate for better library funding, Mm -hmm. um, better services, so that we can offer better services to our communities. And um, so this is a one-year appointment. Mm And um, it's been fun. I get to travel to all the exciting places like Johnstown and Wilkes-Barre and um, where am I? Allentown mm. and Northumberland counties. So, um, so there's a little bit of travel yeah. involved. And I was actually um, elected prior to coming to Center County. So mm-hmm. it was one of the things that I had to make sure that the Center County Library Board of Trustees would support mm. because it does it is taking me away from the library more so than normal yeah. and yes they were very supportive of my my new role that's great yeah. I guess uh, you'd be a good person what is how would you characterize the state of libraries in Pennsylvania like what, what if you had to give a state of the union type state of the union of, state of the libraries yeah. well you know that's probably a multifaceted type of question mm. because again 
there is a lot of diversity among our libraries and a lot of diverse support. Um, I can speak mostly about public libraries mm -hmm, and yeah. not as much about school or academic libraries, but I can see that um, the, the library code, which is the set of laws that govern how libraries receive state funding mm -hmm. in Pennsylvania, was done in 1964. It was revised um, somewhat in 2011, 2012, um, but we're still sort of hamstrung by this older model of how libraries function. Um, and, you know, from time to time there's been some activity on the legislature about revisiting um, standards. And here's a really good example. In the, in the library code and in the regulations, libraries are supposed to have X number of film strips and multimedia, um, like, movies. Mm -hmm. Well, no. We don't do that anymore. Um, so, you know, we've had to kind of work around those kinds of changes in language. The big thing now is libraries are supposed to have X number of magazines and periodicals because that's a way to keep current information. Well, you know, so many magazine platforms are now available digitally, so do you really need to have print magazines? So be that as it may, I think part of the struggle that we see in libraries is that people become very... Um, Territorial about their home library. They love their home library. Mm -hmm. They absolutely do. And so libraries are not unlike school districts and fire departments where, you know, everybody wants to have their own, but that is that the best model to provide service? Mm -hmm. You know, is a collaborative effort better? Can you leverage resources better if you go into a more collaboration? Um, and, and people become then very protective mm -hmm. of their home library, even though on one level they know they could probably have better resources, better access, more services if they joined in neighboring towns. Mm -hmm. But they, the focus is on not so much on the gain, but on the loss. Mm -hmm. What would we lose? And I think that's a very natural reaction, mm -hmm. and I, I think that it's something that you know, we see it in churches, too. Um, change is hard. Mm. And so I think change has to evolve slowly, but I think it will change. It, it has to because, you know, so many of these smaller libraries in these small towns, they don't have much of tax base to support the services. And so those libraries are struggling on a thread, and, and they're trying very hard. And, you know, they just have to be a little bit more open-minded maybe about what future directions might offer other opportunities. Um, and I know one of the things the association does, or we have coming up, and one of the reasons we invited was the National Library Week. Um, what I guess, what, what should people consider or whatever when they when you hear National Library Week with patrons or um, you know towns think about when they think about their library? National Library Week has been going on yeah. for probably at least. I mean, I've been in the profession for close to forty years, and there's always been a National Library Week yeah. the second week of April. And I think it was designed to really call attention to and focus on the importance of libraries to their patrons and also to their communities. The um, the tagline of our 
theme for this year is libraries transform. Mm -hmm. And that's really what we do. We transform communities. We transform people's lives. And, you know, we don't do this to everybody. I, I have to be honest and say there's probably thousands of people who never even grace the doors of a library. Mm -hmm. That's a fair assumption. And But still, the work that we do in our communities makes our communities better places for those people, too. Mm -hmm. So um, what I think is the real value of National Library Week is that it has a national focus. And so it's a time during the year when you can just kind of step back and celebrate what you do. Um, and I think that's important. I think that we tend sometimes to be really serious about what we do and focus on the services we provide and the resources that we offer and the struggles that we go through that we forget to take time to celebrate our successes. And I think that's one of the values of National Library Week is an opportunity to just kind of have fun with that. Do you, uh, I don't know if this is a time that's um, sort of a resurgence or at least with libraries on a national level. I don't know, you, you might have seen that Forbes article that came out, oh, Amazon store should replace. Yeah. And there was such a huge backlash over that yeah. that they had to take it down. And then um, <laughs> um, I don't know if uh, Susan Orlean came out with a library book and, and she was actually right. a guest on this uh, podcast. She wasn't coming here, but I thought it was just a great... Um, yeah. Do you sense sort of a, a, re, um, re, a renewing of a love for the libraries, or, or I don't know? <laughs> I don't know. That's an interesting question, yeah, David, yeah, because yeah. I think it really depends on what context your relationship with libraries has been. Mm -hmm. um, if you were somebody who, you know, kind of grew up going to the library a lot, um, or you brought your kids to the library a lot, or you used it as an adult for some other purpose, I think you have a much different perspective and a much different affinity for it than somebody who wasn't brought up in that tradition. And when I lived in Reading, there was a very, um, very active and dynamic um, Latino culture in the city of Reading. And library services were part of their culture. Um, where they came from, they didn't have libraries. And so one of the struggles that the Reading Public Library had, and they managed to work really hard at overcoming that was to try and draw in the Latino community so that they could see what being a library is really all about. And I think that's one of the successes that that you see. So when you have somebody like Amazon or that gentleman in the UK who was talking about why do we even have libraries, mm -hmm. we hear that a lot. Mm -hmm. And you know, now with the prevalence of Facebook and other social media platforms, it's really easy for those kinds of comments to gain traction. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, libraries have been very fortunate that our our advocates and supporters are very acclimated to those kind of platforms and can speak out on our behalf, like, really quickly and educate those people as to what they're missing out of. And I think we have to continue to do that. Um, I think there certainly is room for discussion about the role that libraries have, and I like to take those people that are not aware of what, what can the library really is about these days and bring them in and educate them because really once that happens then you have a brand new advocate mm -hmm. um, so I think we have to be really careful with how we respond to those but we do respond <laughs> we do <laughs> that's great um, well as we wrap up a uh, question I like to ask our guests is uh, either a book or a favorite book or a book that's made an impact on their lives um, do you have and obviously being well read do you have um <laughs> well, actually, as I've gotten more and more involved in administration and less and less involved in actual patron interaction, my reading has diminished. 
Um, I used to say I don't read books, I read about books. So I don't have a lot of time to read, and I'm also a newspaper junkie, so that's really important for me. I'm not a big fiction reader. Um, I used to facilitate a book discussion group, and I very rarely had an opportunity to actually read the book prior to the discussion group, which was embarrassing. But my, my group loved me anyway, and um, let me, I mean, I would pick the books, and they would read them, and, and we would have wonderful discussions, and I would get all excited about the book. Um, and then they would move on, and I would still be, like, struggling with the one we were just having. So um, that is what it is. Um, there are just so many wonderful things to read, and I think nowadays there's so many um, avenues to explore different reading selections and different genres that it's very competitive. I'm what is called a banquet reader. Do you know what that is? Mm, I don't know if I'm familiar with that. Term. Right, a banquet reader is somebody. I bring home stacks and stacks yeah. of books all the time, and I dip into them. Mm. And you know, sometimes I get around to finishing them. Sometimes I don't. But I like to be around all of those thoughts mm. and ideas, and and I get very connected. Um, I have to say that sometimes I tend to be thematic in what I read. So I'll kind of like start on a a track and just read a lot of other things about that same thing and not read like from cover to cover but kind of like explore maybe. Um, right now I'm reading Vulture okay, which is a center read yeah. um, discussion because I know Katie Phelan is coming in early mm -hmm. April mm -hmm. to do a presentation and I thought it would be like really beneficial for me to actually have read the book before I um, <laughs> meet her and I'm enjoying it. I love that kind of book. Um, I love reading about nature writing. Is mm -hmm. one of my favorite genres to read is nature writing. Mm -hmm. So I'm very much, um, maybe I'm on page 60-something. Yeah. I'm not real far <laughs> into it, but there's hope that I'll get it done by April. That's great. Well, Denise, thank you so much for your time, and uh, and good luck as we get celebrate National Library Week, and, uh, and we look forward to working with Center County Libraries even more. <laughs> Thanks, David. It's been a pleasure to be here and to share some of my background with you and your listeners. So thank you. And speaking of Vulture and Katie Fallon and Center County Reads, depending on when you list, are listening to this, on Thursday, April 4th, this episode's dropping April 3rd, so hopefully you're listening to it maybe when as soon as it dropped, but um, on Thursday, April 4th, is Katie's visit uh, at the Nittany Lion Inn, 7.30 p.m., an evening with Katie Fallon. Um, this will be the culmination of this year's Center County Reads program, so we're looking forward to that. Again, it's uh, Thursday, April 4th. Other events happening at SCLO, also Thursday, April 4th. It's the kickoff for the Spring Research Unplugged series. Uh, this one is The first one is with Dr. Carlene Maitland. She's going to be talking about digital lifeline, question mark, information and communication technologies for refugees and displaced persons. That's um, 12.30 to 1.30 p.m. in our community room, as all researched unplugs are. It's each Thursday of April. The next one is April 11th with uh, Dr. Elian Bombs. Um, 
and there, the talk is how corals may survive climate change. So again, come for free refreshments and free great conversation with Research Unplugged uh, starting April 4th, each Thursday in April. And then there's that special one on Thursday, May 2nd with Penn State grad students. Other events, free developmental screenings are happening Friday, April 5th in our children's activity room. It's starting at 9 a.m., 9 a.m. to 11.30 a.m. Uh, also, for kids ages 0 to 12, the April Book Club is now up and running, and you can uh, log in your books and be entered to uh, win a, win, uh, reach your goal and win a prize and be entered in to win the grand prize, which is a wooden castle. And the Penn State Thespians are going to be coming back uh, for our kids on uh, on sun- Saturday, April 13th, and Sunday, April 14th, with performances of Winnie the Pooh. Uh, on April 13th, it's 11 a.m. and 1 p.m., and then on Sunday, April 14th, they'll have a performance at 2.30 p.m. And, of course, all our events are on our website, sclolibrary.org. Uh, you have our social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. And we hope you're enjoying these podcasts. Uh, you can s- subscribe for free uh, through the various podcast outlets. Uh, if you have an s- iPhone, they have the podcast app, Google Play. Uh, of course, you can also listen to just through our website, sclolibrary.org, and you can rate it. Let us know how we're doing. Until next week, uh, we hope to see you at Sclow Library. <laughs>